Welcome to Watchman on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we continue to learn how to respond to the scoffers, those who deny what the Bible says about creation and the flood. We learn this from our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, and his guest, author Simon Turpin. We're back with Simon Turpin, author of Scoffers, and I'm amazed at how far we as a culture and society have come. And I say we, I mean we in the United States, and of course Simon is in the UK, and we've come a long direction, a long way in the wrong direction. You know, friends, recently I was reading that a mother in Arizona blasted Delta Airlines for refusing to let her buy a Gender X airline ticket for her non-binary child, 21 years of age. Can you imagine blasting an airlines? I mean, when these people fall off the rails, we're supposed to fall off the rails with them. What happens? What happens? Well, they've turned away from the word of God. You know, friends, we're seeing massive changes in thinking. We are venturing into irrationality, and if we don't agree with their irrationality, we are narrow-minded, intolerant, unloving, hateful people. And this is where we are, and I believe it's one of the signs that there are scoffers all around us. And there are so many examples of it. For example, one governor in California actually is trying to get health care for illegal aliens. Now, just think about that for a moment. Do we have the funds for an endeavor like that? That's insanity. Won't that be a great big invitation for illegals to come here in droves? Hey, guys, come to the States. Everything is free. Now, what happens to the citizens? The people who have been paying taxes, they don't have health care. You know why? Because it's all gone to the illegal aliens. So we are entering a realm of madness. And one of the reasons... We've ignored the Bible. We've ignored the creation account, the account that tells us there is a God who brings justice and judgment, but also who loves those who believe in him and trust his holy word. So we're going to get back into the book Scoffers with Simon Turpin. Simon, thank you so much for being with us once again. Well, thank you, Larry, for having me. It's really good to be with you. You know, I'm amazed at Charles Darwin. I've always been amazed and feel very sorry for the man, but maybe you could trace for us the evolution of Darwin's growing skepticism regarding the reality and the validity of the Bible. I mean, his father suggested that he study theology, but Darwin was just sinking, sinking, sinking. Tell us a little bit about Charles Darwin. Many people think he was religious. He grew up in a Christian family, which is not really true. Although his father worked in the Church of England, was a vicar, he was really an atheist at heart. We can tell this because of his writings. And his mother, Susanna, was actually a Unitarian. And so she accepted the heresy of Unitarianism, which is the belief that there's there's only one person of God, so they would reject the Trinity. So Darwin was brought up in a household, a religious household of sorts, but not a Christian household. And from an early age, he was sent actually to a boarding school. And when he was older, when he got time to go to university, he went to Edinburgh and Scotland to study medicine. But he really couldn't take that occupation very well. He didn't like seeing all the, the dead corpses that had to be cut up and In those days, you would have to perform on them. And so he left the study of medicine, and his father, as you said, encouraged him to go to 
university and study theology because if he did that, at least he would have a living in the Anglican Church afterwards. So he spent a couple of years, three years at Cambridge University, a very prestigious university here in the UK. At Cambridge, he studied theology, but when he studied theology, that would be very different from how we would understand that term because obviously we would think about looking into the Bible at God's word, exegeting the Bible, understanding the passages in their correct context. But Darwin was really studying natural theology. He was studying sort of a deistic worldview. And so he didn't really have a good grasp of the Bible from a biblical point of view, although he would have known the events of the Bible. So he never really had a Christian background. He never really was a Christian. And in fact, you can see from the rest of his life, after university, he takes this trip on the Galapagos Islands, he yeah. goes on the Voyage of the Beagle, and when he goes on the Voyage of the Beagle, he takes a book with him by Charles Lyell called yeah. The Principles of Geology, and he reads that book, and that book really was about the great age of the world, how the rock layers were laid down slowly over millions of years. So by the time Darwin reached the Galapagos Islands, he had been influenced with this theory of uniformitarianism which is the idea that the present world is the key to understanding the past world, which is actually what Peter argues against in 2 Peter 3. Yes. And so, yeah, by the time Darwin had reached the Galapagos, he'd been influenced by these men, um, these deistic thinkers like Hutton and Lyle, and he began to see that the world was very old. So by the time he comes back to England, he eventually gets to write his book, The Origin of Species, and he publishes that in 1859, and obviously that has had a major impact on the culture of the United Kingdom and the rest of the world. I read somewhere that when The Origin of the Species came out in 1859, I think all 2,000 copies were sold out, I believe in two days or three days, and that seems to indicate that people were just looking for some, quote, scientific evidence that would prove that they are not accountable to God. So they wanted that book. And here was a allegedly a great scientist who proves that the Bible is nonsense and we don't have to worry about hell. And as a matter of fact, you write on page 104 where Darwin also rejected the belief that God would finally judge people calling hell a damnable doctrine. And yet I believe that Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. Yeah, that's true. If you read the Gospels, Jesus speaks a lot on hell, and Darwin rejected that. Darwin couldn't get to grips with that, and that's because he didn't understand the Gospel. And interestingly, I note this in my book as well, Larry, two years before he died, a Christian approached him and writing him a letter. He was a trained lawyer and a Christian. He wrote Darwin to basically ask you know, where Darwin was in regarding his faith, what he believed about Jesus. Right what he believed about the Bible. And I thought that was encouraging that a Christian would actually have concern for Darwin's soul. But Darwin responded graciously to him and basically said, look, I don't believe the Bible is a revelation from God, and I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So Darwin rejected God's word. He rejected Jesus as the Son of God. Because, look, he realized what his theory was all about. But he also knew what the Bible was teaching. He knew that the Bible taught about God as creator, the fall of man in Adam, and the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And he knew that they didn't fit with his theory of evolution, 
So he rejected Christ. He rejected the Bible as an authority. And, and the point here is that people need to wake up and realize there are consequences to ideas. Yeah. You cannot just say, well, just say God used evolution to create the world or God used the Big Bang because you're adapting the Bible to fit man's theory. Yeah. And then now today you see many people denying not just the doctrine of creation, but you see them denying all sorts of doctrines, yeah. the doctrine of the atonement, the doctrine of original sin, and many doctrines that are central to the gospel because they've added evolutionary thinking to the Bible. Yes, yes. I have the quote, page 104, where Darwin replied to this gentleman, Mr. McDermott, and Darwin said, quote, I'm sorry to have to inform you that I do not believe in the Bible as a divine revelation, and therefore not in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So, you know, you think, well, he doesn't believe in creation, but surely he believes in Jesus. No, if you throw out Genesis, you throw out the whole Bible because it's foundational. And if you destroy the foundation, the whole building collapses. Yeah, and this is important, Larry, because our Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 31 in the account of the rich man and Lazarus, he said this, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, yes. neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And when we understand who Moses is, Moses is the author of Genesis. And if they reject Moses as the author of Genesis, as the author of creation and the flood, then they're not going to be convinced by Jesus in the New Testament. And this right. is why we need to realize creation is foundational to the whole of Scripture. Yes, it's so important. Well... I've heard, and I've not really seen any documentation, but I wanted to ask you about it. Did Darwin ever abandon his skepticism? Somebody said he was looking at the human eye, its complexity, it can see far away, close, brightness, you know, even more amazing than a camera lens. Is that true? Did he ever change his mind and come back or come to the faith? No, that was soundly refuted. Someone put that rumor out a number of years ago that there were letters in which Darwin had renounced. Right. his evolutionary theory, but there's no evidence to support that, Larry. But even if that's true, you just have to look at the consequences of his theory, because his theory still stands for many people, and so he's left a great impact, even though there is no evidence that he ever rejected his own theory of evolution. Right, and that is, as far as I'm concerned, that's very heartbreaking. Here's a man who's gone for eternity. And he was wrong, and he will pay for it. But millions have been reading his writings, and they are being confused. And my, we are really held responsible for what we say and what we don't say. And just like James 3.1 says, you know, don't desire to be a teacher because we'll be judged very heavily. That's awesome. It really is. And I praise the Lord that we're able to give the other side, that we're able to give the truth. Absolutely. And the thing is, Larry, as well, whenever I speak to people in churches or wherever it is, sometimes I can ask them, look, how many people have ever read Charles Darwin? And if you look at the hands up in the room, there are very few people have actually read what Charles Darwin wrote in his book, The Origin of Species. Yes. Everyone knows the book because it's so popular in the media, but very few people actually have read the book and are conversant with what he actually stated in his book. And we know lots of things have changed since then, but although the media really like to portray him as a hero, not many people are actually familiar with what Darwin actually believed and taught. 
Well, he was a racist as far as I'm concerned. He thought that black people were very close to monkeys, and he even said so. <laughs> I mean, how can you admire a man like that? And of course, if you don't believe in special creation, I guess that's your conclusion. But that's horrible. Yeah, in his first book, which really wasn't to do with the origin of mankind, he noted at the end of that book that he would try in the future to write on the history of mankind. And he did that in 1871 when he wrote his book on the descent of man. And if you read that book, it says in that book, it is therefore probable that Africa was formerly inhabited by extinct apes closely allied to the gorilla and the chimpanzee. And these two species are now man's nearest allies. It is somewhere more probable that our early progenitors lived on the African continent than elsewhere. And then he goes on, I haven't got the quotes in front of me, and he really uses some language that if people were consistent today, they would have Charles Darwin cancelled, have yes. his statue <laughs> pulled down. down. Right. <laughs> yeah, and his book, like you said, is really racist. And there, as the quote I just mentioned, talks about our descendants coming from Africa. And when you think about that, that's just racist in the tone of it anywhere because there are a lot of black people who obviously live in Africa, and that's the connection he was trying to make. And his book, right. On the Descent of Man, is a, a terribly racist book. And his theory of evolution yeah. has only helped to pour fuel on the fire of racism. We know that ultimately it's sin that's the cause of racism. But when you add a theory like Charles Darwin's to it, then there's going to be real problems. And we've seen that in the culture. I know after Darwin, toward the end of the 19th century, there, I forget the name of the author, but there was a brouhaha about the so-called two creation accounts in the Bible. Now, as I read Genesis 1 and 2, I don't see them, but evidently some people think that the Bible contradicts itself. I really don't think it does, but what's your response to those who speak about the two creation accounts? That only came to light probably in the 1800s through a man called Julius Wellhausen, yes. who was a German scholar. He came up with the theory of the documentary hypothesis that yes. Genesis wasn't written by one author, Moses. It was written by multiple different authors over different periods of time, and it was finished in the Babylonian exile somewhere around 587 BC. Now, we mentioned at the beginning of our previous talk about Dr. Petrovich, Dr. Douglas Petrovich, yes. and he's done some great work actually confirming mosaic authorship yes. and, and how we can trust that back to the 1400s BC. But the reason we know that Genesis 1 and 2 are not contradictory accounts is if that you just read them in their context, because Genesis 1 really, Larry, gives us the big picture of creation. It's creation in six days. And when you think about the pinnacle of God's creation, what's the pinnacle of God's creation? Well, it's God created man in his image on day six. And so when you turn the page and you get to Genesis chapter two, it's not a separate account right. of creation. What it is, is whereas Genesis one is the big picture, Genesis two is like a photographer really closing in on something, really putting a zoom lens angle on something yes. and focusing. That's what Genesis two is about, the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So it's not a separate contradictory account of creation. It's just a closer look at what's going on 
on day six when God made man in his image. And one of the other reasons we know it's not a contradictory account is because in the New Testament, our Lord Jesus uses Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 to refute the Pharisees on their understanding of marriage and divorce. And so if it was a contradictory account, the Pharisees, who are legal experts, would have pulled Jesus up on that. But Jesus knew his stuff. He knew what the Old Testament taught, and he clearly saw Genesis 1 and 2 as complementary accounts, not contradictory accounts. Well, I think that's very true, and I think we look at the Scripture, and we find exactly what you're saying. There's the big view, and then, okay, let's look at it. Instead of talking about a brick wall, let's talk about the individual bricks kind of thing. I think people do it all the time. And I think what we see is that when people are looking for faults or weaknesses, then they start reading faults and weaknesses and problems into a text, but they really don't exist. It's kind of like if you, you know, in in interpersonal relationships, so many times relationships go bad because you read into another person's words things that are not there. And I think that's exactly what so many of the liberals do. For example, you were talking about the documentary Hypothesis, J-E-D-P, the Priestly document, the Yahwist document, on and on and on. Nobody has ever seen those documents. That's nonsense. They're talking about something that nobody has seen. (laughs) Yeah, and in fact, that theory, although people still believe it, is really dead and buried because it was just an ignorance of how the, the author's of the Bible actually wrote the Bible. They they failed to dig into the text of the Bible. And they actually, Larry, assumed an evolutionary worldview because evolution isn't just about how molecules turned into man. There was people who thought, well, if man evolved from ape-like creatures, then, well, religion evolved over time, starting with animism into polytheism, into all these different other religions. And then it somewhere along the line went to monotheism. And that was the idea behind the documentary hypothesis. And we know that view has been contradicted today. And so, yes, the foundation of that view from Julian Wellhausen has well been demolished. And there's no reason to see multiple different authors to the book of Genesis when there's one author, Moses, who was given that account. Right, right. I know when I was a young Christian, I'm originally from New York City, I had been reading some books speaking about Quella, Q. So I went into a Christian bookstore. And, of course, I wanted to get the best manuscripts or the source of everything. So I asked the lady behind the counter, I said, I would like to get a Bible with Quella in it, with Q in it. And she gave me a strange look. And (laughs) And then she went to the back. She said, let me get the manager. And so I told the manager, I've been reading about the original source of the New Testament, Q. I would like to have a Q copy of Matthew. He looked at me and gave me a strange look. Well, anyhow, to make a long story short, there's no such thing as Q. It's a figment of the imagination. Nobody has ever seen it. It's just like Shirley MacLaine and some of the New Agers. They say, well, when Jesus was between 13 and 30, he went to India and he learned Hinduism and came back and taught New Age. Well, there's no proof that Jesus ever went to India. All these people are coming up with these ridiculous ideas. Just read the Bible. Stick with the text, believe the word of God, and you won't have any problems, right? 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> there's no evidence for Q, there's no Q source, and there's no JEDP. In fact, Larry, if your listeners go to answersingenesis.org and they put in the search engine evidence for mosaic authorship yes. of the Torah, I wrote an article last September, mm. and it uses some of the most up-to-date evidence that we have for mosaic authorship of the Torah. So I'd encourage your listeners to go and have a look at that. That's certainly good advice. Well, we've been visiting with Simon Turpin from the UK. His book is Scoffers, Responding to Those Who Deliberately Overlook Creation and the Flood. Simon, I've really enjoyed your book, and I've certainly enjoyed these two shows. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you having me on it. Even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's been, right. been really good to be with you. Amen. May the Lord continue to bless your endeavors and your ministry. Thank you very much. Get the complete two-day conversation with Simon Turpin on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. You can also order Simon Turpin's book, Scoffers, for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. Whether you get a DVD or a book, know you are helping support the ministry and work of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill comes now to give us an update on our Studio 50 initiative. This is Kenneth Hill, president of SWRC, and delighted to be talking with you today about the things that are going on with this ministry and the blessings of the Lord. They are great, and they are many in number. We have had a group of people going through the ministry here, taking a look at what is needed as well as what we have presently, and one of the things that they came up with was that we need to take a look at our present studio facilities for the Watchman on the Wall broadcast. It was found that we need to update our equipment. We're now realizing that our recording equipment has not been changed in about 50 years, and it's really time for quite a bit of change. Now, I remember coming in and working at Southwest Radio Church Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall broadcast, doing recordings on reel-to-reel, and Marvin McIlvaney would take a razor blade and use it as the device to cut the acetate, and then would use tape and tape it together, and that would be the edit of the broadcast. Well, thankfully, things have changed from that, but that was 37, 38 years ago, something like that. Anyway, it was a long time ago. And they slowly changed over to using a CD and or computer system. But that system is woefully now out of date, some 30 years old. So it's been decided that we would bring it to our listeners, the need for an all-digital radio studio, and that we would need to be raising $50,000 to purchase the equipment and to install it. We're asking for your help 
with this Studio 50 fundraising project. You can designate your gift to this special project when you call 1-800-652-1144 or when you give online at swrc.com, just designate your gift to the Studio 50 project and that will be a big help, a huge assistance to us as we go forward in doing the work of the Lord, and we'll do it with the best equipment that we can find, as opposed to equipment that was great 37 years ago. There's another thing I want to bring up and talk to you about, and that's the Tri-Cities Tennessee Mega Prophecy Conference. Well, it's March 25 and 26 at the Boone's Creek Bible Church location, 1528 Old Gray Station Road in Johnson City, Tennessee. Registration is free, but seating is limited, so we ask you now to register at swrc.com. Now, this would be located there in Johnson City, Tennessee, one of the three tri-cities of Kingsport, Bristol, and Johnson City. And you're going to have a number of Bible teachers, some you've heard, some you've not heard. Pastor Michael Hoggard will be with us. He's pastor of the Bethel Church in Festus, Missouri, widely known for his video ministry. Bill Federer, nationally known speaker and best-selling author, historian of the First Order. Dr. Robert Lindstead, executive director of Sunrise Christian Academy, a wonderful Bible teacher. And when it comes to the last days and these days, he's a fantastic proponent of the truth. Pastor Greg Patton, pastor of the Cross in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and a syndicated DJ as well. Larry Stamm, founder of Larry Stamm Ministries, a Messianic ministry, will be speaking. Micah Van Huss, former military and supernatural expert. Pastor James Collins, staff evangelist and co-host of SWRC's Watchman on the Wall ministry. Dr. Kenneth Hill, that's me, president of Southwest Radio Church Ministries. Dr. Larry Spargimino, senior evangelist and host for SWRC's Watchman on the Wall broadcast. Dr. Douglas Petrovich, expert in the fields of biblical history and archaeology. And Dr. Scott Stripling, archaeologist and director of excavations for the Associates of Biblical Research at Keber et al Makar and Shiloh in Israel. So when and where will the Tri-Cities Tennessee Mega Prophecy Conference be held? That's March 25th and 26th at the Boone's Creek Bible Church, 1528 Old Gray Station Road in Johnson City, Tennessee. Now remember, registration is free, but seating is limited. Register now at www.swrc.com. And thank you for praying for us here at SWRC Ministries. God bless you. We have Simon Turpin's book, Scoffers, Responding to Those Who Deliberately Overlook Creation and the Flood. Get this resource and equip yourself to be able to answer the critics of the Bible. Order Scoffers by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. 
Monday, we begin a new week of bringing clarity to the chaos. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Bye.